This is the Tuesday, May 3rd edition of the Daily Wager podcast. We've got you covered with a variety of action for tonight. So settle in and we'll set you up in a little more than 10 minutes with everything you need to know heading into the betting day. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Welcome to the Daily Wager podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. Tyler Fulgham and Aaron Dolan with you on this Tuesday Aaron, I uh, I know it's probably uh, not the best day I saw on your IG. I think the <laughs> allergies are hitting you hard, and then James Harden not really. Yeah, you wake up billing. and sound like you, you know, <laughs> drank a bottle of whiskey the night before. Every every morning you wake up with allergies, but yeah, that's been rough. The, you know, the Seventy Sixers not surprised by the loss. You know, it's what I expected, but I didn't think Miami looked honestly great, to be honest, but. You know, maybe Embiid and uh, the team will be able to get a win and maybe game four. That's the only thing I think we have a hope in. All right, whatever you got to tell yourself about your Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean. Uh, I'm like, we'll just get, we'll get one win, like, <laughs> the very end. <laughs> Bottle of whiskey may be what you need after uh, this playoff run uh, fizzles out unless Embiid comes back and absolutely dominates. But let's dive into tonight's NBA action. The NHL postseason is underway as well. Let's start. First and foremost, with Bucks and Celtics game two uh, from Boston. Obviously, Giannis and the Bucks were pretty gosh darn dominant in game one, getting that victory tonight. Though it, I'm kind of surprised to see this, and I'm curious your thoughts before you dive in. Boston, a five point home favorite after kind of getting hammered in game one. They also have Marcus Smart dealing with a lower body injury that will have him at less than 100% for certain mm-hmm. if he plays, and that's if he plays. So you got, uh, again, the Bucks up 1-0. They're a five-point road dog, total of 216. Are you surprised that the spread is that large despite the way Boston has played this season? I think it is. It kind of reminds me of the Mavericks-Utah series where Dallas was a five-and-a-half-point dog in that first game, able to cover, and then they still kept the line at the same thing, even though they had won that first game. or I believe they won the first game. Um but yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like the odds makers just kind of keep it around the same spread. I don't think they're worthy of five points, but I also am not looking to bet the spread whatsoever. It really makes me nervous. So I'm looking at that total, and we're actually on opposite sides here because I looked Ooh. in the Google Doc today, and I feel a little bit uh, like you and I are not agreeing on some things. But I'm going to lean over 215.5 because I think we see some positive shooting regression. Last game, the Celtics from field goal range, 33%, 36 from three, 18 for 50. They were putting up a ton of threes, just not able to get any in. And then for the Milwaukee Bucks, they didn't shoot fantastic either. So I do think that we will see some positive shooting regression, which will ultimately make this go over. Kind of like that April 7th matchup, it went over 227. Of course, Tatum was not in that game. Chris Middleton was. They can kind of cancel each other out in certain types of ways. But I just think for some reason that this might be a higher scoring game than we expect, even though both defenses are just so good. Yeah, um, as far as that spread, I was definitely shocked to see that. I thought Boston should be more clo- closer to a three-point favorite at home. So if I had to play a side, I would play the Bucks. Although now – we know about this trend that people love to bet in the postseason, especially for um, a team that's down 0-1. Uh, 
you figure the Celtics, especially at home with the crowd, are going to jump on the Bucks early. So laying the points with the Celtics in the first quarter is something I know Doug Kazarian uh, likes to do. I think Joe might be doing that as well. Um, tune in to Daily Wager today, ESPN2, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific to get official plays from them. But I, I know that that's kind of like the way they like to approach NBA playoff basketball series when a team is down 0-1, especially when that team is good, which we know Boston is. But I, like you, feel much more comfortable attacking that total. And as you alluded to, we're on opposite sides. I'm going to go under 216. Um, you know what I think about Boston's defense. And it actually hasn't been as good in this postseason as it was during the regular season. But I'm going to trust that um, large sample size, especially since they're at home in a do-or-die game. Um, Milwaukee, on the other hand, has turned into the Boston Celtics defensively uh, this postseason. Uh, they have a 93.5 defensive rating this season, which means they allow they're allowing 93 and a half points per 100 possessions, which is best in the NBA by almost 10 points per 100 possessions over the next closest defensive team. That's the Miami Heat. So Giannis has stepped up his play. The team has stepped up their play. They are playing absolutely lockdown dominant defense. And I would normally default to what you're talking about with that shooting regression, uh, you know, kind of helping out the total. But we have a great defensive team in Boston and a team that's playing the best defense in the NBA right now in Milwaukee. So I'm not sure that's necessarily going to happen. I think the bad shooting is because the defense is so great from both of these teams. Uh, Boston is a slower pace team. Their uh, pace is around 96, while Milwaukee's is right around 100, 101. And I think with Boston being the more desperate team, with them being at home, I think they're going to have a better chance to dictate or control the pace. That's why mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a little bit slower pace game um, with measured possessions and intense defensive effort. So I am going to play the under here. We're on opposite sides. They're a friendly little uh, wine or whiskey <laughs> wager, uh, shall we? Maybe uh, player props is something that we yeah. can agree on. Is there anything you like from either of these teams in the player prop market? Yes, two player props that I like, but quickly just wanted to mention because I had messed up at the beginning of this. Jazz actually won that first game. Mavericks, the five and a half was that second game and also leading into the third game. They weren't getting much respect. Sorry about that. We have a lot of games we cover. Sometimes things get scrambled in my head. But in terms of two <laughs> player props, Giannis under 50 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. Now, he had the most assists he had all season last game. It was great. He had that triple-double, 24, 13, and 12, played 38 minutes. But I just think that his rebounds and assists will lessen in this game, just given that he'll probably put up more points than 24. I just think 50 and a half is a huge number. He didn't hit this last game, obviously, so I'm going to go under for that. And then Tatum over three and a half made threes. He shot four for nine last game from three. He's hit over this player prop in three straight games. The Celtics, like I mentioned, 18 for 50 from three, so they didn't really do quite well in that category. So I just think, again, positive shooting regression, like I talked about before, and those are two I like. We yeah. In agreement? I well, kind of not really. Um, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to, we can thread the needle though. Um, I do agree <laughs> with you. I, I like your handicapping on Giannis uh, being under par because he had a triple double. He had a monster game and still went under that in a pretty convincing Milwaukee win. And again, I want to play unders in the player prop market because I think this game is going under. I want those to correlate. When I think a game is going over, I look for overs. When I think a game is going under, I look for unders, but I didn't see anything I necessarily liked. But we can thread the needle with your Giannis par going under and my Giannis assists going over. Okay, hear me out. His, oh, his, assist, his assist prop is at six and a half. We know he had oh, 12. Well. Yeah, we know he had 12 in game one. So he absolutely crushed that. But I think there's a reason why Giannis was more of a facilitator. And it's because the matchup against Boston's defense. Again, we know Boston is an elite 
dominant defensive team. And they have the personnel to run doubles at Giannis and make life difficult for him. He shot 25 times in game one. So the fact that he only produced 24 points and was nine of 25, maybe it was a bad shooting night. But again, I think especially with this game being in Boston, we can say no. Give credit to Boston's defense. They have the bodies in the scheme that are able to make Giannis you know, one of the least efficient versions of himself. You never stop Giannis, okay, Giannis, but you can make him less efficient, like they made Kevin Durant less efficient. So I really think if I wanted to play an under with Giannis, I'd go under 30 and a half points. I was just scared because he shot the ball 25 times. And if there is some of that positive aggression, uh, that's not a good thing. So I'm going to isolate those assists. And I think the 12, while that's kind of the high watermark for Giannis, I think seven, eight, nine can be repeated again for Giannis because of the way that Boston wants to play defense, having Tatum, having Horford, having Williams or Tice on him and then running doubles at him. You saw in game one, Giannis was very, very adept at passing out of those double teams to wide open players and they knocked mm-hmm. down the shots. I see no reason why Mike Budenholzer or I'm sorry, uh, M.A. Udoka and the uh, coaching staff of Boston would change their offensive strategy against Giannis. They've held him to nine of 25 shooting. You'll take that each and every game and see if the other guys knock down those open shots. So I think the same defensive philosophy is going to be used. They're going to run bodies at Giannis and turn him into a passer. And I trust Giannis passing the basketball. He's a really good passer, as Mm -hmm. evidenced by the 12 assists in game one. He's also cleared seven or more assists in four of the last five playoff games going back to that series against the Chicago Bulls. So I see a lot of trends there for Giannis over mm-hmm. six and a half. If it was seven and a half or eight and a half, I'd probably shy away. But as you said, six and a half just seems a little bit low there. So we can thread the needle under 50 and a half par. Just give me seven assists, Giannis. How about a 23, 15, and seven? That'll do, I think. That'll get us under yep. par and over That'll be assist. Perfect. All right, let's move to game two, which is another game two. This one in the Western Conference, Grizz hosting the Warriors. What a game one we saw with the Warriors Mm -hmm. eking out a one-point win. Of course, Draymond Green was a big storyline there. You have the Warriors laying two in this matchup, um, up 1-0, the total of 227.5. Before we get to player props, what do you like on the side or total? This line just keeps moving around in terms of the spread. So I really think you should just play this on the money line. I think the Grizzlies are going to be the popular play here, given that this is, you know, we say must win, but you really don't want to go down two games in a series like this, Mm -hmm. especially losing two games at home. But I do, I still like the Golden State Warriors. I would take them on the money line. I mean, their rotation is just lethal. The Grizzlies defense just can't keep up with that rotation. I mean, Steph, Clay, and Poole, I mean, they all had open looks when they needed to. I felt like the Grizzlies defense just couldn't really keep up. And obviously, Draymond Green entering back into the lineup. We know that he was ejected last game. That's going to help. And the Grizzlies, they shot better than the Warriors in that game one. Still lost. Ja was great in that. He needs to have another great performance. So that makes me a little bit concerned as well. I mean, I know the Grizzlies, they've gone down one game to the Timberwolves, came back with a 28-point win in that game too. But they're not going to be able to do that against this Warrior squad. And then in terms of any player props, I'm kind of shying away right now, trying to find some not really loving anything at the moment um, because I just feel like there's a lot of, I I don't know why this series trying to find player props has been a little bit tough. Yeah. I I think the other one was harder for me. There's a couple player props that I like in this one. I'll get to in a second, but we do agree here. You like golden state on the money line. I like warriors minus two. So we're in agreement there that we think the warriors are going to win the game. I'd also play the over two twenty seven 
and a half. We saw 233 points in game one. But a reason why I like the Warriors, think about what happened in game one. They won that game despite losing Draymond Green for the second half. They, of course, missed a lot of wide open shots and Clay missed both free throws down the stretch at the end of the game. And Jaron Jackson shot the ball like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson from downtown. What was he like? eight of 10 from three or whatever he was. I mean, he was lights out probably the best game of his career. So there's going to be some Jaron Jackson negative regression. There's going to be some positive regression for the Warriors that Draymond should, I'm using air quotes because you never know with Draymond, play the entire game unless he gets another, you know, flagrant two. And I think uh, Clay and Steph will shoot the ball better. Jordan Poole apparently is very much the real deal as he he compensated for that with 31 points and almost a triple-double. So like I said, I think Memphis missed their best chance to make this a competitive series. I think the Warriors are only going to get better as this series mm-hmm. and the playoffs go on. Uh, so I'll lay the two with them. I like your money line. That's probably a little safer uh, in case they get a one or two mm-hmm. point win. But I think it will be another high scoring game because both these teams will push the pace. And there's a lot of offensive firepower on both sides. As far as the player prop market is concerned. Now, there are a couple that I do like in this game. Let me start with Draymond Green. I like him over seven and a half assists only because the price is plus 110. I looked last night and it was six and a half and it was like minus 135. And I love that. But now that it's at seven and a half, I'll just dabble because anytime I see that plus money price, I'll go with it. But my favorite Draymond prop is over two and a half steals and blocks at minus 140. He's cleared that steal plus block threshold in five of the six playoff games he's played this postseason, including game one, where he had four stocks, as we like to call them. And he only played 17 minutes. Memphis has the highest turnover rate of any team left in the NBA this postseason. This game is going to be played at the fastest pace, so there's more possessions, more opportunity for turnovers. And Draymond, that's what he does. He creates turnovers with his defense. And the seven and a half assists, yeah, you know, I'll just, you know, I don't really have much there except Draymond playing a full game. You know, six, seven, eight assists is usually what he's going to have. I liked it much more at six and a half. So if you want to fade that, I completely understand. But anytime I see a plus price, oh, whatever, I'll throw a few bones on it. And this is, again, a game that should feature a lot of possessions and made shots with a total north of 225. My final one is Ja Morant over 16 and a half rebounds and assists. That's minus 130. He's cleared this threshold in each of his last six playoff games, and he's clearing it with ease. He's averaging 20.3, so basically 10 rebounds and 10 assists in those six games. He's basically a walking triple-double right now. He's going to play 40-plus minutes in a not do-or-die game, but, boy, you don't want to go back to Golden State down 0-2. So as long as he's out of foul trouble, Ja will be out there, and he'll be uh, filling up the box score. So I think 16.5 might end up being my best bet tonight um, in uh, Daily Wager because he's just absolutely crushed this in each of his last Mm -hmm. six games. Any thoughts on those real quick before we move to the ice? Love those. No, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I feel like with the high total, it's really good to take some overs on some props. Yeah. I just feel like there's been a lot of, you know, Bean could have a really good game, but then Dylan Brooks could have a really good game. Right. I feel like some of those players yeah, are very to, hit or miss. Right, it's hard to right. figure out which one is going to go off. Same right. thing with the Warriors. Agreed. I had like Steph Curry Agreed. over points last game. And I mean, he had 24. I needed him 27 and a half. And he came out, you know, not missing a shot in that second half. And it's like, well, come on, that first half, you could have made one more, one more of those three. Sure. 100%. And now with pool emerging, there's another uh, legitimate mm-hmm. offensive weapon. So uh, I think in both these yeah. games, it's kind of hard to figure out who's going to do the scoring. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's why I'm kind of going to other prop markets like assist and rebounds, other box score stats where we know a player has a certain strength. All right, let's move to the ice real yeah. quick. Four more game ones on the ESPN family of networks. I was happy that my blues got a four Oh shutout win on the road in game one against the Minnesota Congrats. wild. So I am happy there uh, on the ice. You're looking at an Eastern conference matchup between the Rangers and the Penguins. Is that right? 
Yes, going under five and a half goals. So New York, uh, the Rangers just beats this team in three straight games, four and one in five games this, during the regular season. Four of those five went under five and a half goals. And I just feel like the playoffs are so much more competitive. Yesterday yeah. in four playoff games, three of four had a team score one goal or less. A lot of things are on the line in terms of these first games. So um, I really like the Rangers Penguins under five and a half goals. All right, I'm going to take an over, and that's the Panthers and Capitals over six and a half goals in their game one tonight in Florida. All three regular season meetings uh, went over this total. One game featured seven goals. The other two feature nine goals. Florida has the best offense in the NHL, and they have the best offense in the NHL on home ice, and they're taking on a non-elite goalie. The Capitals don't have, you know, someone like a, a you know, prime Carey Price, a prime Mark andre Fleury that they can lean on. So I think the, the Capitals – led by Alex Ovechkin uh, and their offense uh, will be able to put a few pucks in the net. And we expect the Panthers to be scoring three or four goals every game. Cause that's just what they do as the most, uh, you know, prolific offense in the entire NHL. So that's a look at the ice. I do want to real quickly jump to major league baseball that there is a big game in the uh, NL West between the giants and the Dodgers. And I was surprised to see the giants installed as a plus plus one twenty underdog with Carlos Rodon on the bump. Rodon, Came over from the White Sox this year, Aaron. He's just been absolutely absurd. Mm-hmm. He's striking out 43% of the batters that he sees this season. And 56% of the left-handed batters he has seen this season have struck out. The Dodgers are a team that has a great offense, but they're best against right-handed pitching. Left-handed pitching, they're still you know average, but they're certainly not as potent as they are against lefties. And Rodon is an elite lefty right now who's striking out batters at a Randy Johnson-like clip. So I like the mm-hmm. Giants at plus 120 as a underdog with the better starting pitcher. Not that Julio Urias is anything to sneeze at, but Rodon is just better right now. I'd also play his mm-hmm. prop over seven and a half strikeouts at minus 135 because of that K rate that I mentioned. So just one game I wanted to throw in since it's a, uh, a big um, – a big matchup in the NL West between yep. two of the best teams in uh, major league baseball. Absolutely. All right. That'll do it for this Tuesday edition. Some MLB and the playoffs on the ice and the hardwood. Don't forget Aaron and I will be on daily wager with the crew 6 PM Eastern 3 PM Pacific on ESPN two. We'll also talk some NFL during that show. Uh, so if you want to dive into that with some big news out of Arizona today, Deandre Hopkins uh, and his suspension, we will examine that and how it affects the market in the NFC West and beyond. So always fun with ED on the, Daily Wager podcast. We look forward to you joining us on Daily Wager this evening. Uh, Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already done so because it helps us out a lot. And we will see you tomorrow on the Daily Wager podcast. (laughs) 